Hi, everybody. Welcome to Humane Voices. I'm Carrie, and today we are going to do something a little different with the podcast. Uh, we recently went down and attended our annual Animal Care Expo, which we have been doing for decades now. It's the largest gathering of folks from the animal sheltering, animal care and control, rescue groups around the country and often around the world. Um, and we decided we would talk to a few of them just to sort of give you an idea of what's going on with, with local animal protection. I mean, these are the folks who are really sort of in the trenches, so to speak, in their local communities, doing the work for cats and dogs and many other species in some cases around the country. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's really interesting happening in the country right now is that this looks different from place to place. There's There are places in the country where you know, shelters are are not crowded as, as they used to be. I mean, we've had tons of victories on the issues of animal animal overpopulation since like the 1970s when we were talking, you know, tens of millions of animals coming into shelters. This is this is really a kind of new age of animal sheltering where it looks different from community to community. There are some there are some particular populations of animals who are still challenging. It changes from one geography to the next and one town to the next. And so it's really interesting to go and talk to the group, groups who are doing this work and get a sense from them about like what are the particulars in their community? What do they need? And what are they doing to sort of solve these issues for the cats and dogs and, and mice and guinea pigs and everyone else in their communities? And so we're going to talk to a few of them and uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, Lisa Stemkowski, Humane Rescue Alliance, Feline Behavior Manager. We're more than just a place to shelter animals. We're actually a place to um, kind of grow the human-animal bond and keep these animals in their homes. So do you have a cat or dog that has some behavior issues? Call us. Come by. We'll help you. Do you have uh, trouble making sure that your cat or dog, bird, guinea pig gets food every day? Come on by and we'll help you. So it's more than just a place to adopt an animal, which absolutely, if you're looking for a companion animal, come by. If you've lost your companion animal, contact us. Um, but it's more than just making those connections. It's keeping those families together as well. Mandy Evans, uh, Executive Director of Better Together Animal Alliance and the founder of Home to Home. We are going to be putting a lot more time and resources into the animals that enter into our shelter to help curve behavior or medical challenges. And so we will have more time to do that because we don't have as many animals in the shelter. And then we become animal care centers where we're really open to supporting the public and the community. We sometimes think of the community as the people that, that need a help. Just, they, they don't need help. They, they want help. They want to just give us our animals. But in reality, they're lacking the resources and the empowerment to help themselves. So if we can become that resource, we're going to have a happier, healthier community of animals. Mike Kiley, and I'm the Director of Adoption Centers and Programs for MSPCA Angel. Uh, they should start looking at us more than just adoptions and intake. I think that's how people view animal shelters, is the place that animals are surrendered or strays go to, and if you want to adopt an animal, come in. But honestly, our programs have evolved so much over the years that we are now working in so many dynamic ways to help people and animals in our community. And we're doing that through low-cost clinics in our shelter systems. We're doing that through community outreach directly into the most vulnerable communities. We are helping to support people and making sure that when people are struggling, that they have a resource to go to. 
And I think it's far more dynamic than people might even imagine when they just hear the, the term animal shelter. When we are at our best, we are seen as the community resource for animals. And I think that's what we want people to know us as, is that if they have a question, if they're not sure about what the right training method is, if they're not sure about something with their animal, they don't have to go just to their veterinarian or look online. They can come to us. We'll give them trusted information. We'll connect them to resources that will help them. And we'll make sure to give them guidance. I'm Tori Fugate, Chief Communications Officer with KC Pet Project. Yeah, we try to be so much more than just a place that you take a lost pet or where you adopt an animal. For one, we have a coffee shop at our shelter, which is really fun. Um, but you can come and get a coffee. You can grab lunch and hang out at our animal shelter, which is amazing. We have a retail store that you can buy all of your pet supplies. We're kind of in an area where there aren't a lot of pet resources. So we're looking at doing more things like veterinary programs, low-cost veterinary programs. We even go out in the community and do low-cost vaccinations, microchipping, things like that. And try to take the care of the pets to the community versus having them drive to the shelter for, if transportation for one is a barrier. Um, and we also have our animal services division that operates out of our shelter. Um, that is our animal control division for the city of Kansas City, Missouri. So they're out helping the community every day. Um, we have an amazing veterinary clinic and we're, you know, getting ready to launch a lot more low cost services with that. But we really try to be the place that if you have a pet in Kansas City and you need something, you need supplies, you want to get involved, what Whatever it is, there is a place for you at KC Pet Project. I'm Manders Vandal, and I'm the shelter care director at Seattle Humane. Well, you should come and check us out because we're really a community resource. So not only is it a place where you can get an adoptable pet, you can also get low-cost veterinary care. You can get training for behavioral issues or just socialization for your puppies or your kittens. Um, we have classes to help with that. We also have educational um, camps. So if you've got kids and you want them to go to summer camp, we offer that as well and have a very robust Humane Teen Club program. We really want to be seen as a beacon for the community, not just for a place to get a pet once in a while. You can come and volunteer every week and get to meet lots of animals, or you can just drop by for an educational program. Pet centers and pet adoption areas should be viewed as a cornerstone of the community because animal issues are human issues as well, and we want to help both sides of the leash. Well, I say our biggest challenge is what's next for animal shelters. I mean, in theory, we want to be obsolete. We want every animal to have a home. But what can we do next to help that? And so a big next step is how can we have more accessible housing options for people with pets? Um, in my area in Seattle, there are more dogs than children. So why are there breed restrictions? Why are there weight and size restrictions for renters to have that member of their family live with them? So that's kind of our big next barrier is, you know, if we're not adopting animals, what are we doing next? What can we do next? What does the community need from us next? <laughs> Yeah, I just love hearing these folks talk about their excitement about what they're doing in their communities. You know, it, it, I remember, I mean, well, I don't remember because it was probably before my time because this sort of trend has been happening for, for decades now. But there was a time when the animal shelter was just a place you went to get a pet, right? And and even before that, you know, you could, you could look back in time and say the animal shelter was not even really a shelter back in, back in you know, like the mid-1900s, I would say. You know, it was often a place where animals just an animals went because they were dangerous, because they were sick and frequently they were destroyed. We've transitioned away from that to being a place where not only do you go to get wonderful, wonderful companions, but now these these establishments, like whether they have a brick and mortar shelter or not, whether they're just a rescue group that's operating out of their own homes, 
they're looking at the ways that they are they're able to preserve those relationships. So before it was sort of about just only only about saving lives, which of course is a hugely important thing and should be a focus. But we're also now in a place where we can actually look at quality of life. I mean, that is that is a really amazing development where these community establishments are now not only able to help place pets with new owners and new families, but they're also able to look at, like, say someone is struggling with being able to access enough pet food. Say they're they're struggling to access medical care. They're going through a difficult time in their life. They got laid off. They got evicted. You know, animal animal shelters are transitioning to a place that acts as sort of a a server that acts as a place where you can go to get help with a variety of issues you might be having with your animal, whether it's medical care, whether it's behavioral support, whether it's food to sort of get you through a rough patch in your life or where you don't have enough money, whether it's, you know, like we've got groups around the country that are working on like working with local housing um, entities to make sure that the policies they're establishing for renters are genuinely pet friendly because there's for years, there's been this idea that, you know, pet friendly housing just means you're allowed to have a dog, but there were tons of restrictions around that. Like, you know, animals have to be a certain weight and they have to have, you know, a certain breed. And there are a lot of groups in these, in these communities that are working to sort of you know, address like, why is, why are these things not necessary? And what are the appropriate things that, that rent, that rental companies should be looking at when they're trying to welcome families who have pets Um, and just sort of becoming a place, you know, there's a sort of a longstanding joke in the animal welfare community about how the shelter used to be like the crappy building that was hidden behind the local dump. And now you've got these places that are building um, buildings that, people actually want to go to where they're bright and cheerful and the animals are happy and well cared for. And it's just, it, it's not only, it's not only something that's great for the animals. It's a real sort of sign about how people's thinking about animals is changing over time. And I think it's something to be really excited about. So next up, we're going to hear people, some people talking about a theme we heard a lot at Expo, which I think is really terrific. It's like the shelter is not, I mean, it's great that shelters are becoming sort of more destinations, but you also have tons of groups that are actually going out into the communities and looking for what people need and trying to meet them where they are rather than waiting to to have people come to them and, and providing services and reaching out to folks in their own spaces and neighborhoods and making sure that they're able to deliver services there. April Huntsman, Director of Animal Welfare Insights. A shelter really is a support mechanism for the community. It, it does have services and it does have programs, but it really can just support people in pet ownership, regardless of whether they need help or not. The shelter is like the first place where people are like, I'm in trouble, I need help, they go there. It is really there to support the community. And that's the way we should all think about it. I think we're getting there. Brad Shear, I'm the CEO of the Potter League for Animals. We are really focusing a lot on trying to make sure every animal in our community is taken care of, whether in their shelter, in a home, wherever they live. We want to make sure that they have access to services, food, uh, medical care, shelter, whatever, whatever they need. And it's a, a very different model for us and for most animal shelters. We're not sitting behind a counter waiting for animals to show up. We're going out into the community and making sure those animals are taken care of. I'm Ed Jameson. I'm the CEO of Operation Kindness, which is a brick-and-mortar nonprofit shelter just north of the city of Dallas. 
I think we can absolutely get to where no animal is suffering, that any animal that needs a home, that we're able to find a home for that. Um, and I, I don't believe that there are unwanted animals out there. So, I mean, really that ultimate goal that, hey, any animal that needs a home, we're able to help find it. And that we're also able to help keep pets with their people. Um, the industry's finally understanding that we need people at the end of this. So helping the people help their pets is where I think we're going to get to better. Jim Tedford, I'm the president and CEO for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. Well, you know, I think what's really interesting about our field is that we have finally realized, and maybe it's because we've solved so many of the, we've sort of, we, we've sort of taken care of the low-hanging fruit. You know, finally, we're at a place where overpopulation of pets is not the issue. It is, it still is in some places, and and I think that's an important thing to note that there are still plenty of communities who are struggling with some some basic problems that we need to continue to help them to address. But, but if you look at the country as a whole, we've really solved a lot of those problems, and now we're ready to get beyond our shelter walls. And I, that's the thing that makes me really excited is that we realize there's a whole big world out there. And so we're looking at, at all of this programming to actually reach out to folks in the community instead of waiting for them to come to us in the shelter, because we've realized, frankly, some of them never will. You know, they don't necessarily trust institutions. They're not going to come in and look to us for help. So if we bring the help to them and involve them in helping to come up with the solutions, then we can really make a much bigger difference um, on the whole in terms of, of improving communities for both animals and people. I'm Kevin Morris. I'm the executive director of the Institute for Human-Animal Connection at the University of Denver. I think some of the big things going on in animal sheltering right now, or the biggest thing, is learning how to effectively reach into marginalized communities that have been experiencing barriers to adopting animals, working with shelters, uh, barriers to veterinary care. So I think that that's a big focus right now for many organizations, as it should be. Mike Kiley, and I'm the Director of Adoption Centers and Programs for MSPCA Angel. We've now shifted our resources towards how do we help keep families and, and pets together? What is the, the root causes that are causing that separation? And how can we do that? And not from the perspective of preventing them from coming into the shelter, because in New England, if they need to come in the shelter, that's perfectly fine. In other areas, that might be more of a burden. But I think really looking at that human-animal bond, what we need to protect, where we need to put our resources, and how do we help people in our community keep that relationship going. And that is a big challenge. A lot of it's medical, a lot of it's behavior. A lot of it is just connecting people one-on-one -on -one and helping them with their resources, whether it's pet food or supplies or advice. But I, I feel great about it. I've been in this field for 28 years. And when I started, I felt so bad when people called us and they were desperate to keep their animal, but they had a medical bill they couldn't cover. And all we could say is, I'm sorry, you know, you probably need to surrender the animal. And if we can treat the animal, we'll find it a new home. We may euthanize the animal. And it just felt like an incredible frustration and you can feel the desperation in people's voices. Now when people call us, we can say, yes, we can help you. We understand that you're in trouble, that you love your animal and that this is a big, heavy burden for you. Let's find a way to help you. We have our community clinic resources. We might have to refer you another place, but now we can actually say yes when before we had to say no. And that is so freeing and inspiring. And I think what you're seeing as we're getting the chance to say yes to those requests, you're seeing all this innovation happen. And all of this drive towards how do we make sure people and pets stay together? And I honestly think it's one of the positive takeaways from COVID, where I think as a nation, we all felt vulnerable for the first time in our lives sometimes, 
where we didn't, tomorrow wasn't guaranteed, our health wasn't guaranteed, our jobs weren't guaranteed. And I think that made people think a lot more about what was important to them. And that family really came out as a result of it. And that family extends to cats, dogs, and other pets and companion animals. And so it's really great to have that chance to springboard all those programs into how do we keep this going and how do we make sure families are protected. Hi, my name is Jerrica Owen, and I am the executive director of the National Animal Care and Control Association. <laughs> Great question. Okay, my vision is big. I, get ready for this. Um, I think that it would be fantastic if animal control officers, field service professionals, um, really be a part of the community and not be, you know, we hear this, um, we're not just the dog catchers, and that word is so outdated, but a lot of communities still use that word. They still think that that's what they do and they do so much more. And it's time that they're respected as such and um, are able to do as much. So really be out there in the community, be a part of that community um, and really support the pets and the owners right in their communities. I'm Leslie Rethmeyer from Journey Home Animal Rescue. I'm a board member and coordinator, CEO, kind of all of the above. Don't be afraid to volunteer. Don't be afraid to ask, hey, how can I help? If you see an organization doing something that you don't agree with, that you question, ask. Like, open that communication. Don't just, everybody can be quick to judge or quick to be nasty, but don't be. Ask questions. How can I help? Um, what are areas that need help? Because there's always help needed. If Whether it's volunteer, donate, foster, or put together social media. Um, it, basically, anything that you're, you think you are good at, we could probably use the help. Faith Wright, Director of Operations for Palm Valley Animal Society. I have four words I use. Foster, adopt, donate, volunteer. Those are my four words. And we need all four of those things. Uh, without fosters, there's no shelter in the world that can make it. Without adopters, we're not going to get our animals placed. Without volunteers, we cannot do our jobs. And without donations, we cannot do our jobs. So we need foster, adopt, volunteer, donate. It's so funny to me to hear people talking about the word dog catcher because, you know, I've been I've been in this field for a long time now. And and that was a discussion that we were having, you know, e even when I started. And it, the idea that some of these folks who are doing so many things and wearing so many hats, you know, they're the adoption counselor. They're the field officer. They're doing media relations. They're handing social media for their organization. I mean, they, these these little groups sometimes are are doing so much and functioning in so many different ways. And the idea that, that there's this perception of the, of the sort of old timey dog catcher, who's just like running around comically chasing dogs with a net. It's like, these folks have gone so far beyond that old stereotype that it's, it's sort of gratifying to, to see the way the field is evolving and the way people present and think about their, their work. And then thinking about, evolutions. One of the things that was a big theme at Expo this year, and I think is a big theme around the country, is, is what are we doing to make sure that our, our movement and animal welfare and local protection groups are inclusive? Like, are they reaching the right communities? Are they actually reaching the right people? Are they bringing those people, people who are representative of their own communities into to work at the shelter, to, to act on behalf of animals and be able to sort of reach into communities that we have maybe neglected in the past. Obviously, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues are incredibly important, and our field is no exception. 
I'm Ed Jameson. I'm the CEO of Operation Kindness, which is a brick-and-mortar nonprofit shelter just north of the city of Dallas. Um, we have absolutely dropped the ball on that. As one of the few black shelter leaders in the entire country, um, you come to conferences that even like this, and there's not many people of color um, there. I think that the last couple of years have really highlighted, and the groups like uh, HSUS have really, really taken the lead at making sure. You were already doing great work. It actually helped propel some of the work that HSUS and some others were doing, but it is much more forefront now that we're going to have to be inclusive. Pets don't care what color you are. They don't care what orientation you are. The pets just want people to love them. Jim Tedford, I'm the president and CEO for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. The other real big challenge for us as a field is becoming a much more diverse, equitable, and inclusive field. We, we as, as an animal welfare industry, have kind of left the people behind. And, you know, as I said, that's probably understandable given the fact that we have dealt with some big, fat, hairy problems over the years. I mean, when I first started in animal welfare, now 38 years ago, uh, you know, it, it was the norm for shelters to be taking in tens of thousands of animals. Euthanasia was the primary source of population control back then. And so we had a, we had other other issues that were more sort of uh, our, our faces were on fire. So we had to deal with those issues first. But now that we have some time to actually stop and think about it, we need to make sure that we bring everybody along and bring everybody on board, that we are inclusive of, of folks regardless of, of what their backgrounds might happen to be. Um, both within the field in terms of working in the field, but also out in the communities we're serving, that we're not just looking to help people who look just like we do, but we're looking to help everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, and if you are someone who has been interested in the animal welfare space or who's been interested in volunteering, you should think about coming to Animal Care Expo. We do it every year and it's always just an incredibly inspiring thing. This was particularly inspiring because we got to do it in person for the first time after two years of, of COVID and not being able to gather and sort of share info and see all our, our friends and colleagues for the first time. Um, so, Make sure you continue to tune in to Humane Voices. We've got some great content coming up for you soon, and we'll see you next time. 